You know what we never talked about last time? I'm going to say it now, but it makes no sense in this episode, so I'll cut it out. But <laughs> Every time we say we're going to cut something, it's always the intro. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a theme song. It's not of the show. Stop wasting time on the theme song. I'm going to watch a movie. Got a lot more to go. Stop wasting time on the song Watching movies filled with good cheer Let's me know that Christmas is near This is too long for a theme song Tell them the name of the show I'm Michael Kate, but I'm also Scrooge and it's called a podcast for tennis shows. Mm, what a terrible name for the show. Hello, ho, 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 Merry Podcast. <laughs> Specifically, the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,783 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean, and I am here with my co-hosts Bob and Rob. And Bob, how are you doing today? I'm good. I think I think the fight between COVID and I is almost finally over. As I said, I, I left the house today for the first time in a week, and it was stressful and anxiety-inducing, and it was 2020 all over again, but I made it home alive. Okay, so you say that the fight is almost over. Does that mean that you're winning or COVID is winning? Is this a very sad podcast? Is this our <laughs> last podcast? As you said, I left the house. So was it like for a final goodbye, Bobby? Like, was that what you're getting at? I wanted to see the sun rise one more time. <laughs> one last hurrah of the grocery store. Um, I th- I th- I'm winning. Yeah, I kind of feel like a human being. Yay! All right, awesome. How about you, Rob? How's your COVID doing? Uh, well, I I didn't have COVID. Well, I don't have COVID. Oh, so good then. Yeah. You're definitely winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing, though- you're playing cheat codes. You're not even fighting COVID. <laughs> this is nope. easy. Um, even though Bobby and I uh, had uh, supper together the Friday before he got COVID, uh, and uh, so it was touch and go there for a bit. For our podcast today, I'm drinking a nice tall glass of the seasonal holiday favorite, eggnog. Just eggnog this time? Uh, no Gordon Bombay's for you today? No more Gordon Bombay's, although this is called a Morgenthaler eggnog, so it, it does have some booze in it. Oh, you've charlied that uh, that eggnog up a bit? Oh, yeah, I've charlied it up, yeah. This isn't a, a, a Martin Sheen eggnog, this is a, a Charlie Sheen eggnog. All right, well... John, how are you doing? Ooh, all right, yeah. well, interrupt me then, why don't you, Bobby? Well, I guess, let's find out how I'm doing, because it's time for our regular segment, Did Anybody Write a Review This Week? Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. Did anybody write a review this week? Now, uh, audience, um, little behind the scenes things here. Uh, normally we record these podcasts about one week apart, but, uh, we're recording these back to back due to, uh, Bobby's COVID. So in the, I want to say 48 hours since we last yeah, recorded. Yeah, that's too much behind the scenes. That is too much behind the scenes. Yeah. You are breaking the facade. I, the segment is called, Did Anybody Write a Review This Week? Now you're going to make me change the entire segment. You're going to make me write a new theme for the segment. <laughs> it's going to be, has anyone written a review in the last 48 hours? Anything in the last 48 hours. No. 
No, no. Still nothing in the last 48 hours. Oh, my God. Which which just makes us seem especially sad. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody written a review in the last five minutes. It could just be a regular segment that occurs, like, every ten minutes in the episode. (laughs) Hold on, I gotta check. Did we get a review? No. (laughs) 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 All right, well, I'm going to have to console myself with the joy that is our movie this week. We are talking about The Muppet Christmas Carol, one of my favorite movies, one of my annual traditions, listeners... To show you a little peek into our lives, Rob and I watch The Muppet Christmas Carol every single Christmas. While we do it, we also do a 1,000-piece mystery puzzle. And if we don't finish in time, we just keep watching Christmas movies until we do finish. This is our weird annual tradition. (laughs) We tried to get Bobby involved, uh, but he had COVID, so he couldn't come puzzle with us. So, Bobby, I want to try to recreate the puzzle experience for you here on the podcast. Podcast, okay, I figure this is the <laughs> okay. best medium to try to recreate a visual puzzle. <laughs> Are you going to describe a puzzle to our listeners and Bobby right now? No, Rob, uh, <laughs> I think you've forgotten. We don't just do a puzzle. We do a mystery That's puzzle correct. that has an entire narrative and mystery associated with it. Bobby, I know you can't see the puzzle, <laughs> which is the key element to solving this mystery, but I want to, yeah. we, I want to you give you doing the... The suspects in the puzzle, and I want you to guess who the killer is. Okay, Bob? Okay, we'll see how this goes. This is the narrative of the puzzle. This is like a 12-page short story, right? You're not reading the whole thing, are you? No, I'm not reading the whole thing. That would be like the entire hour of the podcast. I know. Uh, I'm giving a summary. This is a very brief summary of this short story that is included with our puzzle. Okay, it's called Death on the Istanbul Express. It's basically just a ripoff of Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. There is a detective that is basically Hercule Pierrot. Instead, he goes by the name of Jean-Luc Peters. He is the detective who boards the train, and the murder victim is a Monsieur Dubois. He's a rich automobile tycoon, I believe. Here are the other suspects that that joined the train. Emily Van de Croof, okay? A wealthy aristocrat. Okay. June Merriwell, which is an English heiress. Ivan Ivanovic, which is a Yugoslavian factory worker. <laughs> Walter Rankin, who appears to be an American cowboy of some sort. Mademoiselle Lotrui, who is a can-can dancer. Okay. Do you have all of those so far? One of these is the killer. Sure. Okay. Here, here's the last person. Yep. Count Dracula. i can't see it so i have to assume you're telling me the truth the last person is count dracula and you're like oh is that just a coincidence and then they give the bio no this is count dracula from transylvania really (laughs) so okay just stab in the dark who do you think the killer is (laughs) is this dracula like like vlad pepesh drinks the blood of the innocent like he's a vampire? It is one hundred percent Dracula, and this Dracula is one hundred percent a vampire. Okay, so based on the adventure time rules, I'm picking the creepy guy. Who's the creepy guy? That's gonna be Dracula, he's a vampire. It's not Dracula. Obviously it's the can can dancer. Don't trust a woman. That's the moral of the mystery. <laughs> anyway, I just spoiled it for you. Damn it, I we were gonna Damn Sean, I wanted to do that. I did a thousand piece puzzle for the mystery, and now you just told me the ending. <laughs> you son of a bitch.
I thought you'd already done it, Rob. (laughs) I did the puzzle. I was waiting for you to do the mystery. I just did it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, uh, in the puzzle, there are two people's names written down. Uh, and one of them is the person that died, and the other one is the person that killed him, apparently. So I think they couldn't have made it any easier. <laughs> what a stupid puzzle. I'm glad we've recreated this for our podcast listeners. Yeah. So it's, like, very, it's very visual. <laughs> it's just us describing a puzzle. Can we get back? I mean, I mean, I love our puzzle tradition, but uh, it's just you and me thing here. Uh, we couldn't even get the third co-host to join in on it, Sean. I don't think our listeners are going to want to do it with us. <laughs> Podcast where we're just doing a puzzle over the air. <laughs> it's a live podcast where we're describing the pieces. Oh, I got this green piece. It, uh, it connected to this bluish green piece. Do you have any more yellow ones? I need some yellow ones. Trying to finish the yellow section. <laughs> Just an hour fast. Yeah. Like five hours of that. Puzzles take forever. Well, I'd edit it down. Just yeah. To bring, like the juicy bits. <laughs> to the good the good parts. <laughs> yeah, just the highlights. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, so, we're <laughs> so we're talking about Oh my Christmas Carol. Alright, are we? I want to give some background to this movie. The year it's 1843. Charlie Dickens releases A Christmas Carol, and boy, is he excited. He's he's thinking, this is going to be my big one. He's had a few other big ones, but he's like, this is going to be my big, big, big one. He's like, I've, I've written it, and then I read it, and I was like, Charlie boy, this is your best work. You are going to make a fortune. And so he invests in the book himself. He insists that every single book has to be like gold trim. It has to have like thick paper. It has to be bound in leather. That's the only way you can buy it. And they sell for like a pound a piece or something, which is like a huge amount of money at the time. And he's like, but people are going to buy it. They're going to buy it because it's the only way to get that Christmas carol, that sweet, sweet carol. He releases it, gets phenomenal reviews. Everybody's like, this is the best Dickens has ever been. This is blowing our minds. Holy fucking shit. And then he gets his sales numbers quite a bit lower than he expected. And he's like, what is the dealio? That's very Dickensian language I'm using. It means deal for all of our listeners. And he looks into it and (laughs) what he finds out is that someone is publishing an alternate version of his book for much, 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 much less money. And they are calling it a Christmas ghost story. It is written by a guy named Hugh Hewitt. It is published by Leon Haddock. And what they have done is they have just taken... Charles Dickens language and they've just like changed some of the names presumably I assume the characters are named Tiny Ted (laughs) and Dodd Cratchit (laughs) and they've sold it for like a penny and so he takes them to court and he's like what what the fuck judge what the fuck and honestly their defense was you know I think we made it better like Charles is getting a little <laughs> ahead of himself. He's he feel you know that inflated ego. He thinks he's the only one that can write a Christmas Carol. Ours is actually better if you read them both. But thankfully, Charlie Dickens does win that lawsuit. They are prevented from ever finishing the story. So presumably, in their version of a Christmas Ghost story, Tiny Tim dies because you never get to find Tiny out. Tiny Tim, who did die. Charles Dickens walks away victorious and he says, from this day forward, I swear no one, no one will ever make an alternate version of A Christmas Carol, uh-uh. satirizing or changing any elements. 
Flash forward to 1992. The Muppets are making a Christmas carol. Now, this comes after the death of Jim Henson, tragically, in 1990. It was a big surprise to everyone involved. It was right in the middle of his negotiations to sell the Muppets to Disney. Mm. That ended up falling through because he was no longer around to finish the negotiations. But the Jim Henson Company was still in discussions with Disney, and they wanted to keep making something. They needed to keep people employed, and they wanted to keep the dream alive, the Muppet dream. And so they pitched a Muppet Christmas Carol to ABC as a made-for-TV special. And about halfway through oh, wow. writing it and developing it and meeting with Disney executives, they, they said, this should just be in theaters, shouldn't it? Just make it a theater thing. They went out to try to find the perfect, perfect Scrooge. And who did they find, Robbie? Who did they find to play Scrooge in the theatrical Muppet Christmas Carol movie? Michael Caine. I knew you were going to say it like that. There's no way to say his name without doing a Michael Caine impression. Have you ever heard Michael Caine trying to do a Michael Caine impression? He goes, I know, I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how he does his own impression. But why are you getting me to do it? Bobby should be the one doing this, clearly. Yeah, he will. Don't worry. We're going to we're gonna put a lot of weight on him. Bobby, oh, shit. had you seen this movie previous to watching it for this podcast? I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, you lucky son of a bee. No, not lucky son of a bee. He saw the bastardized Katzenberg version in theaters. The one that we watched today? Because that's yes. exactly what we watched. Yes, I know. It's exactly the same, but we will get to it. But anyway. I never owned a copy. I probably watched it at like a friend's house or Christmas. I have seen the TV edit with When Love Is Gone put back into the movie, but when we get to that point in the movie, I will further explain that story because I actually still have not heard that song technically. Um, <laughs> was it muted? <laughs> One time you would have seen it, they was muted. <laughs> I'll get to it. <laughs> Rob, when's the first time you ever saw this? Did you watch it in theaters? I don't think I saw it in theaters, no. Yeah. I can't. I mean, 93, I think I was six years old, so possibly I don't. I don't remember, but... It was a Christmas 92 release. Oh, it, so I was five. Yeah, because it released alongside Aladdin and Home Alone 2. I remember uh, seeing Aladdin in theaters. I saw Aladdin and Home Alone 2. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing Muppet Christmas Carol, so maybe I didn't see it in theaters. But I mean, I have seen it a million times since. I'm fairly confident, I'm like 99% confident, that I did not see it in theaters. I don't think this was a film that I went to in to see in theaters. We didn't watch a lot of movies in theaters when I was a kid. It's tough taking small kids to movie theaters. Uh, my parents were both working, and so there wasn't a lot of opportunity. I watched a lot of stuff on VHS. That's when I would have seen this film. I would have seen yeah. it probably a year later, Christmas 93, and I watched it regularly basically every year after that. Uh, it was an annual tradition in my household, and then I just brought that into Robbie's household. <laughs> like a virus, like a COVID, if you will. I remember seeing it a bunch and really liking it. But yeah, I don't remember seeing it uh, on an annual basis uh, until you and I started doing our, our puzzle day, Sean. Um, one thing I will say is I'm glad you uh, did some research on this because I was too busy puzzling. Uh, I didn't actually write down any notes. Well, you'll just have to think back to all of the 50 times that yes, we've watched this before. That's it. And then uh, right before recording, uh, I went grocery shopping and I actually was listening to it uh, on my iPhone while I was like packing broccoli in a bag. Uh, so I was like, it's kind of fresh in my mind right now. We'll be pretty good with it. Okay. Well, luckily, I, as being first introduced to this film on VHS, saw it the way it was meant to be because the director's cut of this film 
was only released on the VHS because when this eventually went to DVD and Blu-ray, they went back to the theatrical cut, which was not what the filmmakers intended. And the single primary difference is that it is missing an entire song, the central thematic heart of the movie. (laughs) The director's cut, the original VHS version, is now, when this podcast is released... Available on Disney Plus. It's a, the extended edition Where, with more Michael K. crying. It's in. It is on <laughs> Disney Plus, but it's as an extra. You have to go into the extra section, and you can watch. Oh, the, it's just as like a deleted scene. Yeah, as yeah. a deleted scene because it's in the it's in full screen format still. It's in full screen format, and it also the resolution is quite a bit lower, and that's the reason why it's never been reintegrated. Because okay, so the story here, I'll just get into it. They cut the song out of the movie because Katzenberg thought that kids didn't like it, despite the protests of Brian Henson. And then for the VHS release, because the filmmakers were so adamant that it was an important part of the movie, they put it back in. Unfortunately, by the time the DVD release came around, the original negatives had been lost. And so what they had was the theatrical prints, the 35mm theatrical prints, and the VHS video copies. Now, the 35mm theatrical prints, you can make a pretty decent high-definition copy of that, as long as the print is in good condition. A video copy of a 1.33 to 1 Academy (laughs) Ratio VHS version You're not going to make a high-definition copy of that. And so there was no high-definition version of Love is Gone. And so they threw it in as a special feature, like a deleted scene. They couldn't put it back in the movie because the resolution would suddenly go from, you know, uh, 1080p to, you know, VHS 301. I don't know, whatever the resolution (laughs) of those tapes are. 480 or something. Did, Did you guys read into Michael Caine actually actively pursuing this role at all? I don't know about actively pursuing. I've read some interviews with him talking about his preparation for it, but I don't know about actively pursuing. So go ahead, Bob, tell me about it. He, in the nineteen late 1970s, left England as a tax exile because he didn't agree with the high taxes he was being ordered to pay by the British Labour Party. And so he moved to America, I think in Beverly Hills specifically, so he could avoid paying high British taxes. But as doing so as a tax exile, he was not allowed to work in England. And so... He was never allowed to appear on The Muppet Show. And apparently this was a lament of his, as many of his friends, such as John Cleese and Roger Moore, had said how much fun they had being on The Muppet Show, which he could not be a part of because he was living as a tax exile in America. Of all things, the Thatcher government brought him back to England because she lowered those tax percentages that he had to pay. And so by 1988, he'd moved back to England. And when he heard they were filming The Muppets movie, he apparently badgered his agent to get him an interview with them because he admit he felt he'd missed out on the opportunity to be in the Muppets. I thought that where that story was going was that you were going to say he got banished from England for being a tax cheat and he really wanted to play Scrooge as a political statement because he identified with the character. I, know. I thought you were going to say that. That's, yeah, I know. That's, that's like kind of what happened, but he was so Scroogey, he just didn't want to pay his taxes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Scrooge pays his taxes that go towards the jails and the poor houses so technically he's actually more he's more egalitarian than michael kane michael kane is even <laughs> more of a yeah a, a skin flint than scrooge is sorry you're gonna say bob yeah I, I can't confirm it but apparently i had read that george carlin was apparently at one point 
and they were considering him for the role of Scrooge, which I really would have liked because I love George really? Carlin. Uh, yeah, I also read that. I I saw, I think, the thing that I read said that he was the top choice until they decided to go with Michael Caine, that he was very close to getting the role. And I can easily see that. However, it would have been a tragedy beyond tragedy because I fucking adore this performance by Michael Caine. It is unbelievably good. And we will get into it as we talk about the movie itself. But before he started filming, he told Brian Henson, he was like, the way I'm going to do this, the way I see it, is I'm going to perform this as if I am in the Royal Shakespeare Company. And every other Muppet is just Patrick Stewart. And I am going to do it 100% serious. (laughs) And I am never going to crack a joke. And I'm never going to mug to the camera. And Brian Henson is like, yeah, that'll probably work. <laughs> it is so good. Bobby, as you said, George Carlin in there, I was trying to picture it in my brain. And I was like, he's going to be too in on it for this. Uh, I mean, it's totally a different way of mm-hmm. doing the performance, right? But again, Sean, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I We're going to have the same opinions of the whole movie. Um, but the, the fact that Michael Caine plays it completely straight is amazing. The fact that he's like shocked in horror at... Uh, Marley and Marley, and it's like two puppets on strings just going, woo! <laughs> and like he's, he's like screaming out, speak comfort to me, spirits! And you're just like, you're believing every moment of it. And George Carlin would have done a camera take there, right? And been like, get a load of these guys or something. Well, I don't know what he would have done. We don't know what the late George Carlin would yeah. have done. It might have been brilliant, but it just wouldn't have been quite as brilliant. You're talking about Mr. Conductor there, Rob. Sure. So I don't know if it's going to come up within the context of us talking about it. So I'm just going to quickly go through this here because I think it's important to recognize these people. And I often forget what characters they do because they actually kind of change as as the performers go in and out. But this movie stars Dave Goals, and he plays Gonzo, Waldorf, Bunsen Honeydew, and Bettina, one of Miss Piggy's daughters. Steve Whitmire plays Kermit, Rizzo, Beaker, uh, Bean Bunny, and Belinda, the other Miss Piggy daughter. Frank Oz plays Miss Piggy, Fozzie, Sam the Eagle, and Animal. And Jerry Nelson plays Robin the Frog, Statler, Ma Bear, and the Ghost of Christmas Present. So this was the first time that anyone other than Jim Henson had played Kermit. Steve Whitmire was stepping into the role and basically doing a Kermit impression. And I think it's really good. I don't know what you guys think. I think it's a really good Kermit impression. This is my baseline Kermit because I've seen this movie the most, right? Yeah. So, like, I had never seen The Muppet Show growing up. So, Jim Henson sounds like a ripoff Kermit to you? Like, he's like a dime store Kermit? I mean, I probably saw him in Sesame Street, but I was too young to actually, like, notice the difference. Bobby, how does this movie start? Uh, For me, this movie started with me dumping a thousand-piece puzzle of Hyrule on the floor. (laughs) Are you going to sell the puzzle? turning to my wife, uh, asking her, how do you do a puzzle? (laughs) Yes. Because I haven't done one since I was, like, five. So what did you do? What was your first step? Let's walk our audience through this. Let's paint them a picture. Uh, This is while the opening credits of Muppet London are happening. And she just said, well, you know, first step is turn everything over. This process took like half an hour. (laughs) It's like a 90 minute movie. Yeah. And I looked at the amount of puzzle on the floor and the amount of time left in the movie. And I was like, 
it's movie or the puzzle. <laughs> and I just sat down and finished the film. <laughs> okay, Rob, from your memory, how does this movie begin? Uh, the movie begins with a pretty sweet uh, tracking shot. Uh, credits over top of, uh, as Bobby said, Bobby said, um, Muppet London. Um, and we get all of the character introductions. Uh, I really liked it. It was uh, what, our, what we were talking about in The Great Muppet Caper, where uh, the Muppets are playing different characters, and they spelled it out for the critics this time. They're like, Kermit as Bob Cratchit, yeah. uh, Gonzo as Charles Dickens, right? And they were like going through all of the character credits. I also like that uh, Michael Caine gets an and Michael yep. Caine. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, he's credited after the rest of the Muppets. Well, because Kermit is top build, obviously. It's called A Muppet Christmas Carol. It's not called Michael Caine's Christmas carol so talking about the songs they're written by paul williams paul williams wrote the songs to the first muppet movie not the great muppet caper but the first muppet movie he also appeared on the muppet show in like the second season he did some acting in the 70s as well as being a songwriter um and then in the early 80s after hitting it big and finally realizing his dream of being on the muppets and writing rainbow connection he got really really, really addicted to heroin. And that was the 80s for him. Around 1990, he finally like checked in to a rehab clinic, got off of alcohol, uh, went clean and sober, and rediscovered a new joy of life. And around that time, Brian Henson was starting pre-production on this movie, and he said, you know who we need? We need Paul Williams, who made the best Muppet songs ever. And then his assistant probably like leaned in really close, and they're like, ah, he does a lot of heroin now. And they're like, well, let's just call and see if that stopped. And lucky for him, it had stopped. So they called up Paul Williams. He jumped up the opportunity because he was like, I haven't written songs. And all I've done is heroin for a long time. So I'm glad someone <laughs> wants me to do songs again. And in an interview, he was like, so basically every song in this movie is me writing about how much I love not being addicted to heroin. So as we go through it, we Jeez. can talk about how every song is just, yep, this one's also about not doing heroin. And this one's about not doing. No heroin. wonder the love is gone is so depressing, man. Have you guys ever seen uh, this is this a sidebar? Have you seen, ever seen the Phantom of the Paradise? Uh, once that has Paul Williams in it. Yeah, he, he's in it. And he, I believe he did the score for that as well. That's a favorite in my household. My mother adores Brian that. Brian De Palma, right? Yep. That's a weird movie. But. It's a very strange movie. <laughs> Bobby, just uh, just a reference point here for some of our newer listeners. Uh, you have previously said on an episode. Uh, I don't like musicals. And then we asked, why are you doing this podcast with us? Because we're ranking all of Disney movies. I'm going to just come out and ask you right now, what did you think of some of the songs in this? I hated all of them. Oh, wow. With the exception of Marley and Marley. It's the only one I ever remembered. I watched this movie this afternoon. Couldn't tell you any of the other songs. Wow. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, they're, they're unmemorable. I, I have a very different opinion, but, you know, fair enough. Um... I guess you don't you don't know what it's like to not do heroin. Yeah, it's, I mean, I know. I, 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 <laughs> you can't identify. I know what it's like to not do heroin, but I don't know what it's like to not be doing heroin anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, the rest of us can identify with that pain, but you're just you're just living this blissful life. Naivete. You fucking hated them, or just you just forgot about them? No, I didn't like any okay. of them. I thought they were very un. I thought they were unmemorable, and like you, this is going to be an interesting one, and I've been curious to go into this because yeah, like, we can talk about it. I want to hear you like tear the shit out of these songs. I want I want to know why you're the Katzenberg of the podcast now. You're just like fuck these yeah, songs. Take them out of the movie. I, I am. I did realize that. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be the fucking Grinch in this episode because I don't like this movie. Oh my god. Oh crazy. Wow. Okay. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be I'm fun. Like, I, I, that maybe came out a little earlier than I expected it to, but yeah, I <laughs> did. <laughs> I don't like this fun. movie. This is going to be fun. All right. Cool. Wow. It's going to be vast differences. And welcome to the last episode of the podcast War Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last episode with our co-host Bob, who will be replaced next week with someone far more agreeable. <laughs> this is also, we, we just got a brand new TV today. So this is actually the first thing I have watched on this new television. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll go through the, oh, let's go through the Christmas collection. This movie ought to be pretty high up on the list. Shouldn't it be Disney plus algorithm? Like fucking 12 movies or 20 movies down the list past Santa Claus 2. Past Santa Claus 3, that is where you find them up at Christmas Carol on the Christmas collection. Well, they're pitching Santa Claus 3 because they got that Santa Claus TV show. So that gets bonus points on the algorithm. The Jim Carrey Christmas Carol is before this. The Mickey Christmas Carol is before this. This is like the last of the Christmas Carols on the list. I thought that was really... I thought this would be way higher up because... I know everybody but me loves this film. Well, the algorithm apparently agrees with you. Yeah. There's an artificial intelligence out there somewhere who's also like, fuck this movie. Uh, Bobby, I thought you were going to say, to find this, I had to go search Ryan Reynolds in the search bar. (laughs) (laughs) They was trying to get me to watch Once Upon a Deadpool, which I was like, no, I don't know what that is. I'm good. I didn't know that was on Disney+. Plus. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's the PG-rated Christmas version of Deadpool 2, where he kidnaps... The brother of Ben Savage. Fred Savage? Fred Savage? <laughs> the brother of Ben Savage. What a strange way of saying that. This is the same writer that wrote the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper, isn't it? Jerry Jewell. Jerry Jewell, that's it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think he was he was one of the two head writers on The Muppet Show. And then he was either a sole writer or a co-writer on all of the movies up to Muppets in Space which was the last one that he was involved in writing. But this one he has a sole writing credit on. Yeah. For as many times as I have seen this film, I know strikingly little about the making of of this film. I, like, know nothing about it. I just just watch the movie in bliss. Well, you're learning just like the audience is learning. Yeah. Listen, I am here to educate. That is my lot in life. <laughs> I do know that it was Brian Henson's first film. Brian Henson, who was 29 when he made this film. Yeah. He was Gordon Bombay's age. <laughs> Going back to the credits, we got Kermit the Frog. He plays uh, Bob Cratchit. And Miss Piggy plays Mrs. Cratchit. And Rizzo the Rat plays himself. That uh-huh. is the credit. Rizzo the Rat as himself and Gonzo as Ebenezer Scrooge. And I want to just <laughs> think of- you want to say that one again there, big guy? <laughs> as Charles Dickens. Rizzo the Rat as himself, as Gonzo, as... What's his name? Charles Dickens. I'm just joking. Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to think about that for a second. Because when we are introduced to Gonzo and Rizzo, they are selling apples. And then Gonzo acknowledges the camera. And he starts narrating the movie and introducing himself as Ebenezer Scrooge. As Charles Dickens. <laughs> 
they're doing the exact same format they did in The Great Muppet Caper, which we watched, where they're the Muppets, but they're playing characters, right? And so in this, they are just in another movie. They're just shooting A Christmas Carol as actors. And Rizzo is along for the ride. And so my question is, does Rizzo know they're making a movie? Like, does Rizzo know (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) <laughs> like, does he know they ever make movies? Is he just always around? And he's like, okay, now you're somebody else. Now you're on a diamond heist. All right, whatever. I think uh, Jerry Jewell said that he picked Gonzo to be Charles Dickens because he was the least likely choice to be Charles Dickens. And he thought that was funny. Right. Um, and Rizzo the Rat served as a Greek chorus. Sure. So, which is like meant to be his role between the two. I understand the structural element of what Rizzo represents. I'm just saying within the world, understanding that Rizzo is a person. Rizzo is someone who is part of this acting troupe that performs in many different stories, one of which is A Christmas Carol, one of which is Treasure Island, one of which is a Diamond Heist movie for some reason. Does he ever know they're making movies? Did anyone ever tell Rizzo? Because he doesn't act like he knows that. Everyone else is in character, and he's just like, why are you all talking like this? He is just kind of along for the ride. And he is kind of a simpleton in this. I mean, Charles Dickens goes out and says, you're an idiot to him at one point in the movie. I, I just like, I like the idea of like, after like 15 years, Rizzo like wanders into like a video store and he's like, we've been making movies this whole time? What is this shit? Hey. <laughs> That's him. That's my Rizzo. Hey! <laughs> That's my New Jersey rat voice. We get Gonzo as Charles Dickens reciting the story. And one of the interesting points about this is that this movie actually contains the most Dickens dialogue of any adaptation of A Christmas Carol because they put it all into Gonzo's mouth. Basically, everything he says is just taken word for word from the book. And he starts narrating and he says, you're going to be introduced to Scrooge. and He's going to cut him around that corner right about now. And then Scrooge comes in and we're introduced to the song that introduces Scrooge. It's his evil villain Scrooge song. Dun, 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 dun. And he's like walking down the street and the music is like in time with his feet. Presumably it's also a song about heroin, but we don't really understand that yet. <laughs> when a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. It's about going cold turkey. Come on. We understand this. I mean, you're, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. So then the entire town <laughs> sings about how much they hate. Ebenezer Scrooge. And it's great. Except Bobby doesn't think it's great. But regardless, we think it's great. That whole opening is Michael Caine walking on very, very skinny planks of wood because all the puppeteers are below him puppeting on ground level. So he's got to, like, time out his walks perfectly to the music and not fall off and land on, like, the people puppeting, you know, Gonzo and whatnot. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I find it very convincing. I 100% believe that that's what Victorian London looked like. I still can't convince myself that it doesn't look like that. <laughs> if it was populated by puppets. <laughs> I'm, I'm still convinced that 19th century England was populated by talking vegetables. You know, you grow up with something, it's hard to ditch it. It's like some people who do two spaces after a period. I can't ever believe that Victorian England vegetables <laughs> don't talk. Bobby, when Scrooge gets to his... Office of Employment. Uh, what happens? You think that you thought Michael Caine was old in the 90s. <laughs> and you see how young he was. How young and youthful and beautiful he was. And then he gets to his door and turns around and everyone stops singing. Because suddenly he's aware. He's always aware. We're going to get into this, but... Well, that song was diegetic, right? 
It's totally diegetic, and we're going to get into this, but one of the things I've come to understand as I've watched this over the years, Scrooge has lived a life where every single day people sing songs about how much they hate him, and it has demented (laughs) his psyche, okay? Like, that's why he is the way he is. He's just walking to work, and everyone's just singing about how terrible he is? If you walk to work and everyone (laughs) sang a song about how much they fucking hated you every time you went to work, you would kind of start to hate them you would kind of start to loathe them a little bit. And you would kind of cherish and take joy in the fact when you got to evict them from their homes. It's like, you shouldn't have fucking sang the song, Bill. (laughs) Fuck you. Bob, what happens when he gets into his office? I was looking at the puzzle being like, how many pieces do I have to turn over? (laughs) What happened? Well, okay, well, the Triforce was in the right-hand corner. And you know how many fucking pieces of the puzzle I actually put together? Three? Two. <laughs> because I could spell the word Nintendo. I, w- I was going to say three because it was going to be the pieces of the Triforce. Well, you would be like, okay, well, this is... Okay, well, there's three here. This <laughs> is the Triforce. <laughs> um, uh, Rob, what happens when he gets into his office? We are introduced to Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. Yeah. They're they're cold. They, they can't... The, the ink is freezing. They can't even do their paperwork. It's so cold. So they ask their boss for another lump of coal for the fire. His nephew, Fred, comes over and he's like, ah, I love Christmas. And Scrooge is like, fuck you, Fred, and fuck Christmas. The, there's a really good point, a really good, uh, as we were saying, in this performance in this scene, where um, uh, Fred uh, said that he got married for love. And Ebenezer Scrooge just like bursts out cackling in, in laughter. Like he, he said, that's the silliest thing. Uh, besides Merry Christmas that he's ever heard was getting married for love. And it's so good. Like he, he, he's, I don't know. I love Michael Caine in this movie. I'm sorry. I could talk about almost every line of dialogue. I'll stop pointing out little ones here. Ebenezer Scrooge has such a distorted view of life that once you kind of understand what he's been through, and I don't mean, oh, he had his heart broken. Like, I don't mean actual things that people go through because that doesn't justify being an asshole. I mean the context of this movie where he lives in a world where the only music he has ever heard is people singing about breaking up with him. That he he doesn't <laughs> understand what the world is actually like. Like where people are like, do you want to sing a song? He's like, no, I don't, I don't fucking sing a song. It's going to be about hating me. You're breaking up with me. We can get into it because I don't know how, how you guys feel about it, but they completely omit the death of his sister or the character of his sister at all. That's supposed to be part of the reason he seems to lament his nephew is that he caused the death of his sister, who yeah. was the only person that ever showed him kindness. Yeah. And she's nowhere to be seen in this film. They put all of their chips on the bell relationship and the love is gone. And then Katzenberg threw it out the window and they're like, fuck. Yeah. Now we don't even have a sister. Now he's just a weird miserly guy who doesn't like music. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how that goes. Beaker and Honeydew show up looking for charity. Kicks them out. We all know the story. We know how it goes. It's a Christmas carol. Um, uh, then, they'd, <laughs> then they'd better die and get it over with and decrease the surplus in population. See, we know it. We know it. Yeah. Bob and, and the rats ask for time off. And he's like, oh, you can, have, you can come in at 8.30. And they say, no, no, no. It's typical to have the entire day off. And he's like, are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think I am? Who do you think? Whose name is on the door? Scrooge? Does that sound like the name of somebody who would give you the entire day off? Okay. They they named a fucking duck after me that swims in gold. All right. Get over yourself, Bob. And then and then Bob says that you'll waste coal for the fire and uh, uh, there'll be no one else to do business with. So it'll just be a waste of time. Yeah, and then he says, okay, but be all be, be here all the earlier the next day, which is, fuck. I mean, Dickens knows how to write a line. Come on, be here all the earlier the next day. Fuck, that's a good line. 
All right. So then he leaves and he's like, close the fuck up the shop. All right. I'm going home to eat my cheese and bread. <laughs> to eat my like hard stale bread and my weird looking cheese. And he leaves and then they sing a little fucking song and they like do a little dance and it's all nice and charming and Bobby hates it, but I find it nice. But uh, the thing that jumps out at me is that it takes an entire montage for these mice to like close the blinds. (laughs) Because they're they're fucking rats. And like Scrooge could do it in (laughs) five seconds. He walks past them. Like he could do it on his way out the door, but he doesn't. He makes them stay a whole nother montage length in order to do this fucking work where he's like, and close those blinds rats here's a catapult you can use catapult themselves he's like here's a catapult couldn't you just do it screw- i don't fucking do it i'm screwed again looking at the puzzle missed all of this oh what do you even like it i don't understand you're like i didn't like this movie it was just a bunch of puzzle pieces <laughs> right, well i appreciate you humoring us bob i'm glad you watched this movie with us oh no, of course I, I, was, I was happy to do so i'm not gonna like scrooge it and be like no that would be funny though if you were like you refused to watch it and you just spent you you were part of the recording but you just sat there with like your arms crossed being like bah humbug i didn't like it i didn't watch it okay scrooge goes home Dun, 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 dun. Presumably, they sing the song again as he goes home. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck, not again. You would think uh, Scrooge uh, would be happy that he doesn't have to go into work on Christmas Day because he doesn't have to hear that song two more times. So he goes home and then he gets uh, the ghosts. So the first thing that happens is that the doorknob turns into uh, Jacob Marley. The door knocker. In the movie, in the narration, Gonzo says that Scrooge lived... In the home of Jacob and Robert Marley. In the book, Scrooge is Jacob Marley's business partner. And Jacob Marley has no family because he's a miser like Scrooge. And so as his business partner, Scrooge inherits not only his business, but also his house. And that's why Scrooge lives there. In this movie, there are two Marleys. Yeah. How did Scrooge get that house? They both die at the same time. Did Scrooge murder them? (laughs) Yes. Did Scrooge, like, talented Mr. Ripley these guys because he's now living in their house, running their business? No, he food poisoned them. And that's why he uh, he's saying that there's more gravy than a grave of you is because he is assuming that he got poisoned this time. That was his inside joke where he was like, I put the arsenic in the gravy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he's, like, standing up trying to figure out which, like, gravy boat he used when he served himself dinner. Because the coincidence of them dying at the same time. It seems like Scrooge probably killed them, right? He probably poisoned them. It would have a different... I think if he poisoned them, they wouldn't be coming back to help him. Okay, they might not know. They, they're they dead. They know. Do they? They know. Okay, well, here's the thing. Maybe they do know, because here's what I want to... Here's another thing I want to point out. When they sing a song. So, as we all know, he eats his weird cheese and bread. The ghosts show up. They sing their song. We're Marley and Marley. Chains and chains and bags. <laughs> They they sing lyrics about how fucked he is. He's like, oh, you fuck screws. You're so fucking fucked. And the exact lyric they have at one point, I wrote it down because they say, your future is a horror story written by your crimes. No. Crime? It's crime. It is singular. Singular? I, I listened to it multiple times and I read <laughs> closed captioning. It is singular. It is crime. What crime are they talking about? Double homicide? Double homicide of poisoning them. (laughs) Singular only makes sense if they're talking about a specific bad thing he did. Like, 
Killing them. Uh, I mean, fair. They live their life to heckle, and as ghosts, they are in prime heckling situation. Oh, yeah. Like, they almost certainly are constantly heckling Fozzie Bear from behind the grave, so they might not even be mad about it. No. They might even be like, Scrooge, you know, it wasn't cool that you fucking put <laughs> arsenic in the gravy, but we're having the time <laughs> of our lives. You. So, yeah. you know- the time of our deaths. <laughs> We're having the time of our deaths. Water under the bridge. Uh, we got to do you a solid, just like you did us a solid with the whole arsenic <laughs> thing. We're going to try and stop you from, you know, going to hell and having all of these chains. Thing. We're cool with it. We're cool with it because we get to, like, fucking haunt Fozzie Bear. <laughs> we come to his <laughs> dreams every single night. <laughs> we sing this song every night. <laughs> and he's, he's such a nice guy. At the end of the movie, though, when he's handing out gifts... He hands out gifts to Fozziewig, who's in like an old folks retirement home, a Victorian retirement home. And he has one of those very long tubes because he's hard of hearing. So like a Victorian like hearing aid. I submit that he needs that hearing aid because every single night the Marleys show up and play loud (laughs) music. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you guys like any version of uh, A Christmas Carol? That's another thing I was going to ask. I actually really enjoy the black and white Alistair Sims Scrooge. Okay. I'm not much one for Christmas movies, um, but I actually do really like that one because I just, I really like Alistair Sim and how much he's hamming everything up. Who cares about stupid old Christmas? That's my impression of you, Bobby. <laughs> of me? That, that, that's exactly what I'm like. <laughs> my mom really, my mom prefers the black and white version, which is called Scrooge, whereas my wife's mom actually prefers the colorized version from the 70s or 80s, um, which is called A Christmas Carol. And that's how you differentiate between the two releases where they hand-colored in all the film, um, which is actually next to impossible to find now. Um, you can only find the black and white one, which is the way it was meant to be viewed. And I do actually enjoy that one for what it is. Um, and so that was kind of my baseline of comparing the two. Yeah. Like, I note that Jacob Marley, whereas the Marley brothers just kind of show up and are like, ha, screwed, you're fucked. Some ghosts are going to come see you. And then they just disappear. Whereas in <laughs> I mean, the that's what they 50s really do. one. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> um, in, in the 50s one, I mean, granted, it's over the top and like kitsch and like campy. But he has this whole thing of living in hell, walking the earth in forever torment. But you have a chance to save yourself. And I'm here to try and help you out from the chains you from which you bind in life. Whereas this one, they just kind of show up. They're like, no, it's awesome. Look, we're ghosts. We're in chains. Our chains sing. Our boxes are going to sing. And then you get this like hellraiser moment of these like chains choking him to death while these boxes scream in his face. And it's fun and it's enjoyable. You're, but- you're missing the fact that, that they wish they were hunting Fozzie Bear. So really, this is this is bad for them. They're just like, dude, dude, we could be haunting Fozzie right now. So get your shit together so that we don't need to come back here. Because this is, honestly, this is just work for us. In the Ghost of Christmas Past scene, where he goes back and sees the Fozziewood chicken, chicken factory. <laughs> Rubber chicken factory. Uh, he says, oh, it's my old business partners, uh, Robert and Jacob Marley, as they were young lads. And it's just... Stadler and Waldorf. <laughs> so they've been that old forever. They're clearly like 45. Yes. <laughs> like he's like, this is them as lads. And they're clearly like 45, which I found hilarious because Stadler and Waldorf are always old men. Yeah. And the fact that they're like middle-aged men, he's like, holy yeah. fuck, the little boy. <laughs> Look how young exactly. they are. But that's the Michael Caine effect I had watching Michael Caine in the right? intro of this movie. Uh, and then the other second point was uh, in that scene, uh, all the effects, well, not all the effects, but most of the effects 
effects were done in camera for that. So they shot it through a mirror to get it to look like that. So they actually shot both things happening uh, live. So it was on half of the set was uh, Michael Caine. And then they had all the puppets through a mirror. So it reflected it on screen and they were capturing it all on camera. I'd, I'd also read That's too that cool. apparently it wasn't until halfway through production that Michael Caine realized that this was Brian Henson's first film. And apparently he was beyond impressed at how well he handled everything. At the end of this sequence, as they're like, you're going to be visited by three ghosts, <laughs> bitch. As they're like floating away. And his first instinct in the middle of a horrifying supernatural experience where he is being presented with the terror of his own future, his own mortality, and a badass bitchin' song. Ebenezer Scrooge's first instinct is to be like, isn't there a cheaper way that we could do this? Like, <laughs> do I have to – can I just see them all at the same time and then I can still get some sleep after it? Let's be efficient about this, okay? He's always he's, negotiating he's, He's always negotiating and he's always got his capitalism on. Um, he's always wearing that capitalism. Hi -oh. Is that something? No, that's, that's nothing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's something. <laughs> uh, he, he always says, speak kindness to me or something. He's always just like, he can't handle any of the bad. He's he's very thin-skinned. He can't deal with much. Yeah, when the Ghost of Christmas Pass is showing this to him, he's like, don't show me these things. And uh, and she's just like, I'm just showing you what happened because you were a bitch before. It doesn't, it's not my fault. You were fucking there, man. Grow yeah. the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Bob Marley and the Whalers leave, and he goes to sleep. <laughs> and then he's woken up an hour later uh, at the strike of one. Expect the ghost. Expect the first ghost when the clock strikes one. I love that. Uh, 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 Gonzo, for whatever reason, screams that out. And like, that's the, like, he, he's on like the windowsill or something. And he goes, expect the first ghost as the clock strikes one or something, right? And like, he doesn't do it for any of the other ones or any other line. Just for whatever reason, he decided to do that one. It was great. I do love how he moves in between like influencing the story and yeah. narrating the story. It's, it's, it's very Muppets. It's very Muppets. Ghost of Christmas Past shows up. The fucking scariest goddamn puppet I've yeah, ever fucking seen did. in anything. Uh, scares the fucking life out of me she always did the older i get the scarier she is nightmare -inducing. i was happy to pay attention to the puzzle at this point because everywhere i looked up at her i was like why is she so scary and like my wife is still like somewhat drifting out of her feverish covid dream <laughs> she terrified her too and then when they fly out the window my wife was like no you missed it her hands they're even scarier somehow <laughs> so you were like speak kindly movie speak kindly <laughs> this is where gonzo lassoes maukain <laughs> so they can travel back in time with them, right? Yes. There is a moment here, and I pointed this out to Robbie before, and I don't have anything to say about it. I don't have a joke. Oh, it's the best. I don't have an explanation. I don't have an analysis. I just always think it's amazing, and I don't even know why. But while he's flying away with the ghost of Christmas past, they fly over London, and then Michael Caine has three lines. The first line, he says, is he goes, spirit. And then the ghost of Christmas past goes, what? And then he goes, nothing. And then they fly a bit more. And then his third line is, spirit. <laughs> and he says it again. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, why is this in the movie? Like, it's was amazing. this scripted? Like, is there a script somewhere where there's a line of dialogue where it says, Scrooge, <laughs> you know, courier font, underlined, underneath, spirit, ghost of Christmas past. What? Two spaces. Scrooge, underlined, 
nothing. Like, did they eat up like six <laughs> lines of a script with that? It, I find it fascinating and I can't get over imagining who would write that and keep it in a script and think they weren't going to be fired. Because <laughs> he's like experiencing the craziest shit of his life and he can't even form words. He's like, nothing. I, I still need to think about this a bit more. I still need to process what's happening to me. <laughs> so they go back into the past and then he sees himself as a kid. Dun, 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 dun. And he goes in and he's like, oh, that's me as a kid. This is when I was doing all that studying. There's one instance in this and I just made a note of it because despite the fact that Gonzo and Rizzo with a few sections in this scene are usually just set dressing because as you say, they don't interact very often. There is a cat that is completely aware of Rizzo's existence and the fact that they should not be there. And does not care, just as cats in the real world do not care for humanity or any of the boundaries we place upon them. Yeah. Have you ever tried getting a cat to act in a movie? I don't think so. Okay? <laughs> That's why that cat is not operating under the, the parameters set out by the film directive that Gonzo and Rizzo are not actually par- supposed to be acknowledged. That cat is just like, no, I'm going to fucking eat that mouse. I'm going to fucking eat the shit out of that mouse. Sean, can you tell us about how they did the effect for the Ghost of Christmas Pass? Well... It's shot in a tank of baby oil. Um, and so they puppeteer it through baby oil to give it that shimmering floating effect. And then they- It looks they, like it's in slow motion. The thing that's interesting about that is that they created the effect in baby oil and they were, you know, they did a demo of it and they were like, this is so fucking good. This is, this is amazing. This is, we're going to get an Oscar for this. This fucking baby oil nightmare demon is, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That was in pre-production when they were like testing out all of the effects and like the creature workshop or whatever. And then as they were going into production, like a line producer and like the production associates are working through the script and all everything they need. And then they're like, okay, how many scenes is this ghost of Christmas past in? And they're like, oh, well, it's one of three ghosts. It's a good chunk of the movie. You know, it's like 20 minutes. And every time this ghost appears, you're shooting it in a tub of baby oil. How big is that tub? And it's like, oh, it's like a huge fucking tub. You know, like it's, a, it's like a shark. <laughs> it's like a big fucking tub. And they're like, do, 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 do you know how much baby oil costs? And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's like $8 for a little. Jo- oh. <laughs> and so they like priced it out and they literally couldn't afford baby oil. Like this is like a $20 million movie. And they're like, it's going to be $40 million for that baby oil. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had to water down the baby oil. And so when they shot the actual movie, it's a mixture of baby oil and, and water or some other kind of liquids um, that are transparent that still kind of give the same effect, except apparently it's not as good. And Brian Henson, I think in the commentary or in an interview, he was like, you guys should have seen the demo we did. It looks so good. <laughs> Stuff in the movie shit fuck compared to that because we had to do this fucking cheap ass <laughs> half oil. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, I knew a little bit about it, but, uh, I think you knew a little bit more. As I said, I don't know much about the making of this movie. <laughs> the Ghost of Christmas Past shows him himself as a young boy, uh, studying and his classmates come and run past him and they go, Scrooge, Scrooge, are you coming? And then the other kid goes, Oh, he never goes home for Christmas. And then little boy Scrooge yells out at them, Who cares about stupid old Christmas? Just like Bobby does when he's um, watching the movie. Truth. <laughs> yeah. And we're introduced to the fact that Scrooge as a boy didn't understand what Christmas was. Which is going to come into play later on. Because we're wondering, why does he hate Christmas? And then the movie explains why he hates Christmas. And it's so funny. It's so funny why he hates Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then we jump ahead to Fozzie Wig. 
and his rubber chicken factory. And we see that scene where he's introduced to Belle, the love of his life. We also get a lot of uh, Muppet cameos in this. Uh, this is where we get uh, Animal. Like 90% of the Muppets. I know, right? Yeah, yeah like all of, all of the Muppets all are at this party. All of the Muppets are in this one scene. Swedish Chef, everybody. Like, it's, it's, it, it, there's the main stars, like Kermit, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and Rizzo, and that's like it. And then at this party, he meets Belle, though. And then they jump forward after his relationship with Belle to a moment where their relationship falls apart. And so we see a little bit of a scene, and Michael Caine is like, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And goes to Christmas Pass, like, shut up, shut up, just watch, just watch. This is the good part. This is the best part of the movie. You're going to enjoy this. And then in the movie, he goes, uh, we can't get married yet because I don't have enough money. And then Belle goes, yeah, you say that a lot. And I have something to say to that. And she stands up. She takes a deep breath. And then we cut to after the fucking song. <laughs> so here's my story about this song I spent the whole movie waiting for this moment Because I have a very specific memory about this song And I was actually doing a song tally To be like, how many songs into this was this that that happened Because we were watching, I believe, a taped version Off of Wonderful World of Disney Which would have had the song placed back into it Because as you said, it was the VHS and, and made for TV cuts Did have the song put back in My mother usually had the television remote To fast forward commercials and whatnot <laughs> And... Belle stood up to sing her song, took in her deep breath, and my mom just went, oh, no, I just can't, and just fast-forwarded the song. And I was a little kid, and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And she was like, I'll I'll stop. I'll stop. I just, I can't. I just, I can't take this fucking song. I'll, I I will stop the movie, I promise. This is the only time I'll do this. <laughs> and fast-forwarded the whole fucking song. And I've been thinking about that all week leading up to this. And I was like, where does it happen? And she stood up to sing the song, and I was to my wife, I was like, this is it, this is it. This is the song my mom fast forward Where's the fucking song? <laughs> so I still to this day have not heard it. Here's the thing. I totally fucking understand that. Uh-huh. And I understand why Katzenberg would want the song cut. And I understand why they would do test screenings where parents would say, what did you not like about the movie? And they would say, that fucking Love is Gone song. And then Katzenberg would be like, yeah, we should probably cut that song. Because it is the saddest, it is the saddest fucking thing. Keep in mind, it's about heroin, but it's still very, very sad. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. You think it was in some sort of form of my mother trying to protect me from heartbreak no, as a small I don't, child. No, I don't necessarily think that. She might think it's a corny song. I'm just saying this Th is my perspective. This was definitely my mother. This was a case of this movie is 30, pin on for 35 minutes. We were at song number four. Mommy just can't take this one and needs a breather. <laughs> this is also around the point where I looked at the floor. I was like, I'm not finishing this puzzle. <laughs> I need to watch the movie. <laughs> so I paid attention for the rest of the film. So in the non-extended edition version on Disney+, Plus, which is what we watched, because the extended version isn't there yet, the song isn't there. And so what we get is we get a build-up to the song and then a cut to after the song when literally everyone in the movie is crying. Michael Caine is crying. Belle is crying. Young Michael Caine is crying. Gonzo and Rizzo are crying. The ghost of Christmas past somehow is crying. It's a fucking ghost. Through the baby oil. Everybody is crying. And watching this version of the movie, you're like, what the fuck happened? It honestly feels like the movie Grindhouse, where like Robert Rodriguez shot 
the planet terror portion of the movie so that there would be a real missing and then a, a random moment you would cut forward and everything would be on fire and you'd be like what did i miss why is everything on fire it's that except you cut forward and everyone is crying and you're like why is everyone crying <laughs> and then michael kane is so upset that he gets sent back to his bed to await the next ghost pretty sure that's the end of christmas past isn't it yeah yeah, he goes back to his bed and he's like, that fucking sucked. I hope the next one isn't that bad. Luckily for him, it isn't because the next one is the best time of his life. It's literally <laughs> the only time Scrooge has ever been happy in his life is this 15 minutes that he got to spend with the ghost of Christmas present. Because the ghost of Christmas present shows up is a giant man who goes, come in and know me better, man. And Scrooge just from di- moment one, he's like, I'm going to fucking like this guy. I am going <laughs> to fucking like this guy. This is the first time I've ever met anybody that I'm going to like. And he likes this guy. <laughs> doesn't sing about how terrible I am to my face the first time they meet me. Okay, that's it. Okay, here's the thing. So, ghost of Christmas present. It's like, Christmas present time, bitches. We are going to sing the best Christmas song you ever heard. And they go out on the street and they're like, doobity boop boop boop, Christmas. And they sing this big old Christmas song. And everyone's swinging and Christmas dancing and jumping around. Is the feeling in your heart? Probably. That sounds like a lyric that would probably be in this song. <laughs> it's in the singing of a street on a choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true whenever you... Do you love it feels like Christmas? Oh, probably. Let, let me recite the song exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the song, the whole town is singing and dancing. And then it ends. And then Michael Caine is a new person. He's completely changed. And he's like, holy fucking shit. The exact words. <laughs> Spirit, I had no idea. He says, I had no idea. One fucking song that isn't about how much everybody hates Scrooge, and his whole world is turned upside down. He's like, I didn't fucking know you could sing songs that weren't about hating me. I didn't know there was other songs that existed. Like, he's just like, holy fucking shit, do you have other songs? Is there a third song? Is there a fourth? Gimme, gimme, gimme. And so they go out into the world to learn more about Christmas present. Except it's not quite as good, because then they go to his, uh, his nephew's house, where... They're playing Christmas games. And here's the other part that I like. (laughs) His nephew, they've eaten their Christmas pudding and they're going to play a Christmas game. And then Scrooge turns to the ghost of Christmas present and he goes, oh, spirit, do people play games at Christmas? And like watching this, I was like, holy fucking shit, Scrooge. Like, no wonder you don't like Christmas. No wonder (laughs) as a kid that you were like, who fucking cares about Christmas? No one ever even told him that like people play games at Christmas. What did you think people were doing? Like, what did he think was happening? <laughs> Getting a head start on their taxes. <laughs> like, that's the only thing he thought that's what was happening. Because he clearly didn't understand what people were doing. Like, his whole, like, I hate Christmas thing is predicated on his, like, oh, I didn't fucking know that people played games and sang happy songs. Oh, shit, now I love Christmas. <laughs> it's... The other thing I want to say about this scene, again, everyone knows Christmas Carol, so we're going fast through it. But the scene where they're playing this game, they're playing yes or no, which is just Victorian 20 20 questions, questions, I guess. Fred is like, I got one. I got one. It's good. It's good. It's good. So they start asking questions. And then they're like, is it bigger than a bread box? They do all this stupid dumb shit. Somebody says, can you find it on a farm? And he goes, never. And then someone says, well, can you find it in a city? And he goes, usually. And then this one fucking dude, this one fucking (laughs) asshole... Says, doesn't pull a handsome cab. And like, dude, just ask if it's a horse. Like, first of all, like, that's a dumb, that's a dumb 20 questions question to ask. Like, that fucking sucks. Doesn't pull a handsome cab. Oh, that really narrows it down. But the thing is, is somebody already said, 
does it live on a farm? Can you find it on a farm? And the answer was no. So why the hell are you thinking horse, you fucking dipshit? I hate this guy so much. <laughs> you hate this guy who has one line of dialogue in this scene. Is he one of the, like, weird monster Muppets? No, he's a dude. He's one of, like, the four dudes in the movie. There's, like, Fred, Scrooge, Bell, and this fucking asshole with the horse fetish. <laughs> the scene with Fred is weird for me in this one, too, because his nephew's not as much of a dick in the 1950s version, whereas on this one, he's just like, oh, yes, yes, my uncle's an asshole. Let's all laugh at his expense. <laughs> and then they all do in exactly that fashion, whereas in the old one... Well, okay, to be fair, though, Bobby, yeah. that's all he knows as well. It's because every time he goes and visits his uncle, everyone's singing about how much of an asshole his uncle is. That's true. As, as I say. So, I mean, he just doesn't want to feel left out. This movie's just kind of weird one where he just, like, hates his nephew for no real reason, and his nephew is just like, well, fine, well, fuck my uncle. That's pretty much it. Like, I have never actually, I didn't know about the sister uh, at all, because I've, like, only seen this version of A Muppet Christmas Carol. But uh, I just took it that uh, he hated his uh, his nephew because he was poor and happy. And that's everything that Scrooge isn't. He thinks you have to have money to be happy, and Fred is happy but even with – he just has love. Right? Except you go to Fred's house, and, like, Fred's got fucking money. He's dressed nice. He's got a big house. He's having, like, ten people oh, over yeah. for dinner. Like, he's, he's poor, poor sure. by, like, Scrooge's standards. Yeah. By Scrooge's standards, yeah, for sure, right? Well, it's just because Scrooge doesn't understand. Because Fred probably says things like, he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go home, we're going to sing some songs. And Scrooge is like, going to fucking sing songs about how much you hate me? It's the only song that exists, I'm so mad about it. <laughs> All right, so, yes, after the Fred scene, he then goes to Bob Cratchit's house. Uh, Kermit does some bebopping and scatting. All right, so Steve cool effect, eh? Um, the the whatever that special effect is was pretty cool because it's like full leg animation, and I'm assuming he's walking on some sort of drum, like a barrel that they're just rotating, and then the background is moving behind them. Yeah. So what it is, they they do some chroma key puppeteer removal in this movie. And so that scene is done with puppeteers in basically just green leotards in front of a green screen. And then there's a barrel that has cobblestones taped to it that is rotating. And they're puppeteering Kermit walking on this barrel, right? And so it looks like he's he's walking forward and the camera's moving at the same rate as him because the barrel is rotating and the angle that it's at looks like – sort of looks like – You know, 90% looks like – you can tell it's a barrel if you look, but it sort of looks like he's walking forward on this barrel. And then they chroma key out all the green and then replace it with a shot of them pulling back through a small model town street. And so then it looks like he's walking down the street with his legs going up and down. And I mean, it doesn't look 100% realistic, but to the extent it doesn't look realistic, it looks kind of artsy and cool and yeah. like, you know, animated and like, like a, like an artistic choice. It, it's a, it's a nice scene. I like it. So he walks in, Tiny Tim sings his little Tiny Tim song, um, which Bobby hated. And, uh, <laughs> then Scrooge is like, oh, and here's another moment. Scrooge is like such a meager feast. And he's like, why, 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 why do they, why do they have so little? What's going on here? And he's like literally putting together at this moment how commerce works. Like, dude, motherfucker majored in business. And he's just like, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. So like 
because I don't pay him a lot, he doesn't have money? Oh, fuck. I didn't get that. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. fuck. His realization oh, all there. all those people I evicted have no homes? Holy shit. Oh, my God. Now I understand the song. No wonder yeah. Marley's were singing to me. He's like, I pay him so little. The ghosts are, like, teaching him shit, but, like, the stuff that they're teaching him is, like, the most basic shit. Like, he's putting together just how the world works. He's like, holy fuck, I didn't understand people sang songs and played games and, like, <laughs> had to buy food with the meager fucking coal I gave them. Holy shit, I've been an asshole this whole time. Like, you don't need a ghost to do that. You just need, like, Fred to, like, explain <laughs> how the world works. Except Scrooge wouldn't have listened. God bless us, everyone. Then we get to the ghost <laughs> of Christmas future. Right? da 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 Who's called the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Yes. I had read that originally, I think it was, what, Kermit was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas past. Miss Piggy was meant to be the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come in the original, like, earlier drafts was actually Gonzo. It, I think it, they were never going to address that it was Gonzo, but his nose would always be sticking out of the hood. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. I could see them doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This part, actually, you know, the ghost of Christmas past was nightmare-inducing. When I was a kid, this was kind of scary. I mean, ominous m- music. They had, like, a Grim Reaper-looking dude. Um, that never talk. His proportions are interesting, too, because it's, like, half a person. It's all shoulders and head. There's, like, no legs, the way it's kind of, <laughs> like, it's, it, like, it, it's, the proportions on it are unnatural. There's also, they go a little bit expressionist with the set, and there's a shot down an alley where, like, I can't tell if it's on purpose, but all the buildings are leaning forward and are at funny angles, and I got a slight Cabinet of Dr. Calgary vibe off of it. And I'm guessing that's intentional. Um, yeah, so he takes them through. And then, like, Scrooge is, again, he's a fucking idiot. Where, like, the ghost of Christmas future is like, here's some people talking about you. And they're like, oh, here's his his monogrammed jacket says ES. And then <laughs> Scrooge is like, that dude is the same monogram as me. That's the same. That's <laughs> what a coincidence. I have the same nightgown. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed until this hearing of the movie that the rag dealer in this version is a spider wearing an eight-legged suit <laughs> yes. that you never see leave his hole. So I don't know what he does with these goods because he never interacts with anybody outside of his spider hole. He sells them to other people, probably, that come to his hole. He actually, again, my wife pointed out that he actually looks very similar to his counterpart in the 1950s <laughs> screw. He does? The, the way he's dressed oh, and like okay. the way they kind of have him looking and she, and she was like... Did they have a spider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 it's a spider in that <laughs> okay, one too. Gotcha. But she wasn't sure if perhaps like that might... She was like, I wonder if that's how Dickens just describes him in the book. That would make more sense. So anyway, because Scrooge is such an idiot, he's like, oh, this person seems like they suck and I understand the lesson you're trying to teach me is that if I sucked a lot more, I might suck as much as this person. And then the ghost of Christmas future does like a face palm, except he has no face. So like the, yeah. just, just goes straight right through. through his just hand, hand goes into the void. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta explain this to you. So he takes him. Don't they see Tiny Tim? They do go see Tiny Tim. Um, who's dead? And they're like, nah, Tiny Tim's dead. Scrooge is like, that's the worst thing I've seen today. And then the ghost of Christmas future is like, oh. <laughs> It's like, dude, have you been paying attention to any of this? Yeah. Takes him takes him to the cemetery and then points at the grave. And then Scrooge is like, uh, whose grave is that? And then the ghost of Christmas Future is like, wouldn't you like to know who? <laughs> Go look at the grave. Wouldn't you like to know? Except he does all of it without words because the puppeteering is that good. That voice isn't very intimidating. So he he's learned not to do the voice because he's done a bunch of these in the past. Yeah, that's his actual voice, though. He's done a bunch of these like three ghost things in the past. <laughs> 
And like every single time he gets there and he's like, wouldn't you like to know? And then they're like, the person starts laughing. And then like the ghost of Christmas past afterwards is just like, dude, you gotta, you gotta work on that fucking voice. That's just not. <laughs> At that You're point. not intimidating. These people are not changing their ways. Yeah, that's the, that's the, everyone bursts out laughing and they don't, they didn't change. Stop judging me. Yeah, they're just like, are you serious? That's your voice? Stop making fun of me. <laughs> so then the, the, the grave is his. And he's like, no, fuck no. And then he wakes up and he's like, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to live in the past, present, and yet to come. And then he opens the window and he's like, you, what day is it? And he's like, it's Christmas day. And he's like, oh, great. Hey, there's that big turkey down the street. The one that's like fucking huge award winning the biggest turkey anyone's ever sold and he's like oh yeah the one that's big as me and he's like yeah has it has anyone bought it yet and he's like no because you're the only one rich enough to buy it and he's like (laughs) okay we'll go buy it then he sends him out to go buy the turkey and then he sings another song and he leads everyone in town down to the cratchit's house as they're singing a little song which is quite charming i know you don't like it bob but i find it very charming because like uh michael kane he's never sung before he was very worried about it and I, I, I love his charming little, little weedy little voice, you know, <laughs> as mm-hmm. he's singing this song, walking down the street. And then he takes the entire town to Bob Cratchit's house and he opens the door and he's like, Bob Cratchit, I've discovered the meaning of Christmas and I'm a nice man now. And because of that, I want your wife to cook me this turkey and entertain <laughs> all of these homeless people I found. <laughs> Most of these people live on the street. I want them to come into your wife's house. Um, she knows how to cook a turkey, right? Uh, do this work for me. I'm a good man now. <laughs> the end. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they do a callback at the very end, uh, to the song that was cut from the film. The song that was cut. They wrap the whole movie up being like, now let's sing a happy version of that song that was so sad. Katzenberg fucking ruined the whole thing. The whole movie ends on a beat that was cut. A yeah. reference to a song that was cut. I don't know if it was Brian Henson, but someone involved with the film, when they did a test screening and they asked the kids questions about what they thought, the children asked them, well, what did the bookkeepers do to get coal for Christmas? Why, what, what, why were they so bad? And they didn't clue into the fact that, oh, right, yeah, bad kids get coal. Yeah, sorry, guys. No, 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 they wanted the coal. He gives all of the rats coal for Christmas. And from the filmmaker's perspective, that was a clever gift because the rats wanted coal and he originally refused to give them more coal for the fire because he was such, you know, a, a miser. And that was to represent how good of a man he had become. He's giving them all the coal they could ever want, except from the perspective of a modern audience, it's the fact that Scrooge learns all these lessons about Christmas, <laughs> vows to be a better man, goes around town singing about how everyone is his nephew and niece and he's going to love everyone as a family member except these fucking mice which are still getting coal and i fucking hate them (laughs) he just goes out of his way to be like i'm still giving them coal he says that he's gonna give bob cratchit a raise and pay his mortgage but you never find out he just gives the rats coal that's the only thing he does he basically gives bob cratchit a raise he's mortgage free he don't like those mice he could do their job in like one second. If he literally just lifted his arm as he walked out the door to pull the drapes down, he would save them hours. Uh-huh. That's how much he hates these and fucking rats. And then he gives them coal. That's the end of the movie. Bobby, you hated it. Yeah, I didn't like it. 
It's uh, apparently my mother hated this film, and that's fair. I get it. You get to an age, and I just think that story about my mother is funny. I just it makes me laugh, and it just makes me think of my mom. I think it's funny um, it because I'm funny. just like, you know what? I get it. How many like fucking shitty movies did you have to sit through with me because I was a kid? And like one time, you were like, no, 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 I'm just not one. And I'm like, you know what, mom? You deserved like ten thousand, and you, one time you said no. That I think I'm older, and I think it's hilarious. Um. So, so I only ever watched it, like, if it was at a friend's house or, like, maybe if it was on TV. And as I say, I was, like, probably a teenager when I watched the Alice to Sim version for a first, the first time and actually came to discover I really enjoy it. I'm also the fucking asshole that watches Black Christmas every Christmas. So, like... What, that's a good like, movie, though. I That's that's also a good movie. You can like both of those movies, but you only like one of them. That's also... Yeah, I don't know. The songs aren't... I don't know. Upon rewatch as an adult, like, the songs don't jump out at me. It feels like a kind of watered-down version of The Muppets for me. I don't think you're the only person who believes that. I think lots of people do think that, especially when it came out. It got pretty mediocre reviews. Uh, most people were like, it's okay enough, I guess. So, watered down version of the Muppets. Is it because they are so fully, besides Gonzo, they are so fully their characters? Like, there's only a few of them that have main parts. Uh, most of the supporting characters are made up for this show. They're not actual, like, the starring cast of the Muppets, right? Like, the spider and, um, the vegetables and the mice and whatnot. Uh, Kermit is Bob Cratchit. He's not really doing anything Kermity. I guess, except for maybe Miss Piggy, who is doing a little bit of Miss Piggy. Is that what you mean, Bobby? That it's watered down version? No, I mean it in that, like, we'll compare it. I mean, the, the most recent comparison we have is going to be, uh, Great Muppet Caper, but like, it is, like, that movie is satire. There's lots of fourth wall breaking. Yeah. There's lots, like, the songs are kind of fun. Um, whereas this is, like, bound by, being a Christmas movie and they're like satirizing the idea of it being like a Christmas play sort of with the narrator and the Greek chorus and those elements going on. But for me, it's kind of missing those like, again, because of the way the movie's done, it's missing that like sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Like it's there, but again, it it just, it just feels watered yeah, down. Gotcha. And I don't know if that's because like they're like, th this is like, not that they're not all kids movies, but like the Muppets always had this layer of like, they're kids movies for adults. Whereas this is just a kid's movie. I think one of the things that reinforces that is that most of the dialogue in this movie is just fucking Dickens. And like, mostly this movie has one joke and the joke is we're doing it without jokes. Yeah. And like, if you really like that joke. Like, I really like that joke. That can kind of, like, carry you through. But if you're like, okay, I get the joke. Do you have other jokes? And they're like, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no other jokes. The joke is there's no jokes. Then you're just like, I I kind of wish there were more jokes. <laughs> I don't have the nostalgia for this movie because I didn't watch it that often. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with with a lot of these. Like, apparently, Robbie fucking loves D2 for some reason. <laughs> Like a lunatic. Fucking yeah. movie's amazing. I don't think it's trash. I just, I, I don't like it. And also, like, again, there's all these, like, weird little things where, like, it's, it's the story of it, but it kind of misses a lot of the points of, like, because you, like, you don't have this, like, scene of, like, there was a point in Scrooge's life when he, like, was, when there was joy in his life, and then as his sister goes, and then as he pours himself more and more into business you see him close himself off in the world and this movie kind of gets away from the point of they like poured everything in the movie into the love is gone song which was both a cut by katzenberg and b cut by your mom so katzenberg and your yeah. mom <laughs> totally sabotage yeah. the film for you yeah like they they put all of the themes they put all their eggs into that basket and it was too well done that they're like we can't we can't show this to children yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> Bobby, where are you ranking this? I'm really interested. Where are you ranking it? I gotta, I gotta bring it back up again. I was staring at this for a while because I really like. I'm having a tough time with it. I think I'm gonna put it at number thirteen. So that's gonna be below Freaky Friday 2003 and above Enchanted. All right, which is cool. higher, actually a bit higher than I thought it would be. It's better than Rain of Fire, and everything <laughs> below that is just hot fucking garbage. <laughs> Yeah, I like, uh, I, my list, uh, is organized, like, in halves, right? So is it a movie that I like, or is it a movie I don't like? Is kind of where I'm putting them. The right? thing is, like, when I look at the list, I look at the movies, and I'm like, oh no, it's better than Babes in Toyland. <laughs> oh no, it's better than the Even Stevens movie. Like, I kind of start from the bottom and work my way up to a point where I'm like, yeah, okay, it's better than Enchanted. Like, that's kind of where I'm looking at it. I liked this more than I liked Enchanted. All right. And that's just because I, I love the Muppets, so... Nice. There we go. Yeah. That's better than I was expecting. All right, Rob, where do you put it? I watch this movie every year with you. I know the movie front to back. I know all the lines of dialogue and all the songs. I put it number one. Uh, it could be the Christmas season. Uh, but I sing this, I sing the songs like in July. Like, Sean, you and I, uh, when we see each other at the holidays, we say, come in and know me better, man. Like, that's what we say to each other. Uh, He's been saying that since high school. Yeah, well, that's what uh, happens. I'm going to go right now. I have it at number one. I refuse to explain myself. Muppet Christmas Carol all the way. Number one, baby. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, I fucking, I was like, they're both going to be number one. And like, whatever I put it at is going to be like 10 miles below whatever, wherever they I'm have it. I'm glad though. I'm glad there's such a difference. I put D2 the Mighty Ducks at number two last week. Yeah. Don't listen to him. He's, he's a fucking lunatic. Don't let my opinions be colored by his terrible opinions. <laughs> Okay. So my list right now is The Muppet Christmas Carol, Return to Oz, and D2 The <laughs> Mighty Ducks. <laughs> That's all one, right. two, and three, boys. Okay. But this is something to say. That's all nostalgia, basically, for me. These are movies I saw in formative years of my life, and uh, they're sticking with me. So Normally, in this situation, I go through all of the other movies that Disney has released this year. I have a list right here in front of me. But the thing is, I don't know what any of these movies are. And I didn't have enough time to, like, research them enough to even explain it. So we can either, A, have me just read a list of movies we've never heard of, <laughs> and yes. whether that has good <laughs> a. humor. Do them now. Let's rank them on, them on a scale of one to a movie if they're actually movies. All right. <laughs> okay, this is 1992. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard oh, of that one too. It. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Medicine Man, the John McTiernan Sean Connery film. Yep. A film called Noises Off, which is a Peter Bogdanovich film that I've never heard of. A film called Straight Talk, which has Dolly Parton and James Woods that I've never heard of. Interesting. A film called Passed Away, which is like a funeral comedy starring Bob Hoskins and Tim Curry. That I've never heard of. Encino Man. I know that one. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Uh, Sister Act, of course. Newsies. I like, I like how you said Encino Man, Brendan Fraser, but you didn't reference Polly Shore. <laughs> we've, we've heard what happens when he talks about Polly Shore. I know. That's why I like that. <laughs> I start crying. I get so sad. <laughs> Newsies. Honey, I blew up the kid. Three Ninjas. The first <gasps> oh. Three Ninjas is a Disney movie. The sequels were all released by Sony. I don't know how that works. I assume it's the same way that Disney released the first two, Chronicles of Narnia, and then Fox released the third, and then Disney bought Fox, and we're like, fuck, somehow we still have the third Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> we specifically didn't want this movie. 
Another movie called The Gun and Betty Lose Handbag. I've heard of that. Couldn't tell you what it is, but I've heard of that. There's a movie called Crossing the Bridge, which stars Stephen Baldwin. Never heard of it. Captain Ron. Know that one. That's a Kurt Russell. Serafina. It's a Whoopi Goldberg movie. Never heard of it. The First Mighty Ducks, which we know. A movie called Consenting Adults. Never heard of it. A movie called The Distinguished Gentleman, starring Eddie Murphy. I might have heard of it, but I certainly haven't seen it. Finally, at the end of all of that, Aladdin. And that was 1992. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the episode, boys, unless you have something else to say. Uh, I want to wrap us all up with a little request. A request from my good friend Bob, who hated this movie, and I want to tap into that hatred by making you use that as, as the source of your acting powers, Bobby, to inhabit Michael Caine and doing your best Michael Caine. Please tune in next week to the podcast War Ten Issues. If only I had a stovetop hat. <laughs> Why don't you start with, I'm Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm Michael Caine. Tune in next week to the podcast War Tennis Shoes. That was good. How did you feel about it? I liked it. One more. I'm going to be like, I'm Michael Caine, but I'm also Scrooge. Tune in next week to the podcast War Tennis Shoes. That was good. Nice. That was good. That was that was very Scroogey. Do you want to do the, it's called the podcast War Tennis Shoes? Okay, but I have to do every layer of saying I'm Michael Caine and I'm Scrooge. Yes, of course. I'm Michael Caine, but I'm also Scrooge. And it's called the podcast war tennis shoes. <laughs> See, I'm gonna have that entire thing. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> 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 but I'm also Scrooge. <laughs> That's the show. If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at the podcast war tennis shoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at Podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks.